Innovation is in our veins Soon the whole world will know our names Sharing our knowledge and freedom reign We here for the people, you know it's our way Setting foundations is part of the dream It doesn't matter if you're new to the game Listen up now, cause we all gon' say Ugh. Elevate, elevate, elevate Higher, elevate, elevate, elevate Higher, we gon' rise up we all gon' shine, work through adversity, stay on the grind, elevate, elevate, this is our time, elevate, elevate. This is not a drill. Yes, this is an episode being released on Thursday. Welcome to the Elevate Podcast, everyone. It's your boy, Josh. Dalton. And we're glad to be with you one more time. In the same week. Woo! <laughs> we're here for it. We're excited. We're gonna we're doing something a little different. We are now deciding to do a couple episodes a week because we love y'all so much. And we want to kind of try some different types of content. So we're actually want to become a little bit more guest driven. Um, so this Thursday episode is actually going to be heavily a lot. It's going to be then also just kind of some random stuff that we're gonna be talking about so we really want to kind of take these thursdays to do so so we're starting off strong we are getting right into the the crux of the meat of it people are upset with nova scotia power and the increase that we talked about just a couple of weeks ago people are upset because their pipes froze they're, they're cold and broke <laughs> their power is out so we brought we brought reg back on Hey, how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we're we excited because those who don't remember him, we we talked about healthcare a while back, and we brought him on kind of here's expertise as he's kind of been in the field for a while or was in the field for a while and had some perspectives of how politicians and politics play in the healthcare system. Mm. It was great. It was a great episode. We brought him back on because well, he's awesome, and we want to talk about his perspective between like mm. the relationship of politics, government, and Nova Scotia Power, as he has some insight with. And we're also bringing on, virtually, unfortunately, but virtually we'll be bringing on Matt LeBlanc, who is actually a Red Seal electrician. And uh, he's got some perspective on the whole thing, too. So we'll be getting all into it. So first off, before we get to Matt, I do want to ask you this question, okay. Reg, and you're, you're going to have to get right in the mic on this one, okay? Sorry, I, I realize I'm... No worries, no worries, no worries. Just give me a heads up on this one. need an ASMR. Yeah. <laughs> True. You both do that. <laughs> you have to realize we have a lot more in common than you realize. It's a white boy thing. <laughs> Another white boy podcast. <laughs> is the theory that's floating around right now is with all the you know all the power that went out in different areas like is that in. the Nova Scotia power had planned outages and had rolling brownouts or rolling blackouts during the coldest day of the year at negative forty degrees. People are circulating this theory, just wondering from what you know, is this is this theory even possible? It's not impossible, but that's a conspiracy. Like honestly, uh. like we generate enough electricity in this province that we could power ourselves like a couple times over. We sell power. Like there's uh. sorry. Yeah, you have to get right into it. Gotta get right in there. <laughs> bite this mic. Yeah. Um yeah. No. That's not the thing that happened. I ah. think the the problem is our transmission system is so outdated and so old and they're not putting the investments into actually um, bringing it, bringing it up to date more than what they have to. So it's really uh, just about like there's fixing no it. preventative maintenance. No, <laughs> <laughs> shareholders don't like that. Yeah, <laughs> that's not good for business. America is a, a public or America. <laughs> Amera is a publicly traded company, right? So yeah. it's about making sure that shareholder wealth is maximized. So it's you know keep the keep the grid running as much as possible that we have enough people that will have acceptable amount of outages that we can just keep going on the way that we are. Cause I mean, we have no other alternatives. So, right. I do want people, those who 
don't fully remember the episode. I do want you to tell the story of you with the panel. I think that's a good pertinent story if you go. Yeah. We, we, we've related it a couple we, times. We've we referenced it like four times. Yeah, but it's better hearing from the stories. It's interesting. Okay. Um, basically what it was is uh, Quest is an energy um, focused, uh, I don't know if they're a nonprofit, but they're an organization that's very interested in uh, energy. Mm. And so at the time I had started my master's in resource and environmental management. And my focus was really about like, how do we transform the energy system in Nova Scotia? And uh, so I was very keen on the idea of like, okay, you know, what does it mean to put your, your lines underground? Because we right. live in a province that is mostly bodied by the, uh, by the Atlantic Ocean. So we're getting lots of wind there. Mm -hmm. you know, they're constantly blowing the lines over. Or you might get salt on them and then they're, <laughs> they don't work or whatever excuse that you get at the time. So it's like, okay, so why don't we just put them underground? And so I had posed that question to a panel that included Nova Scotia Power, NB Power, Heritage Gas. And I can't remember the fourth individual. They were obviously not as memorable. I think it might have been... Nova Scotia Power. <laughs> Sorry, not Nova Scotia. Newfoundland Power, I guess. Right. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know who the fourth panelist was, but uh, I just remember posing the question. I said, you know, why don't we put the, why don't we put the lines underground? And uh, NB Power said, oh, well, you know, it, it costs about a one to five ratio you know, mm. versus putting them up in the air. And like, okay, that makes sense. And uh, Nova Scotia Power said, oh, that's, that's absurd. It's one to seven. And I'm like, okay, well... Maybe I know we're, we're built on pyritic slate, so right. maybe it's a lot harder to dig through that. And so um, I kind of like left it at that. And then I looked over and I was like, well, Heritage Gas, all their lines are underground. So how are they doing it? And so one of the questions I asked, I was like, okay, well, when you think about outages, I was like, Heritage Gas, like, what are your outage rates look like? And they said, well, we don't have any. <laughs> we, we don't experience outages unless it's a planned outage because somebody's going to dig or, or Right. what have you or if it's an accidental like construction company nicks a line they shut it off they repair it you know gas is turned back on right and i asked nova scotia power i said well how many outages do you have in the run of a year and they were just like we do our best to maintain the, the political <laughs> answer like, yeah and then i was like okay uh, i was like well why wouldn't you put your like lines underground then who pays for the the cost of the outage like if you're looking at a hospital at the time i had just come out of healthcare. I said, you know, when you have an outage and it affects a healthcare facility, um, that goes on backup generator. We pay for the oil that, you know, fills those generators. So I was like, does Nova Scotia Power reimburse the healthcare system for the oil that they have to burn to keep the operating room running and the life support machines on? And it's like, nope. <laughs> Crickets. <laughs> Just absolutely nothing. No comment. So maybe they do correct me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure they don't, but, uh, yeah. So it was just like absolutely nothing. And they were just like, next question. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. That's how they do things. I guess. Yeah. Eh? Fitting. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it? Shut up and don't stop. Stop asking questions. Yeah. Yeah. It was it's the next question. You're you getting know? too close to the fire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Young man. Yeah. So you great. We change the world. Yeah. So glad we live in a place where young men like yourself can ask questions <laughs> next. <laughs> <laughs> oh man well based on that topic we're gonna bring matt on here uh okay so that, that makes sense like i'm curious i'm trying to dig deep and trying to figure out where this theory 
developed of why people thought this was planned outages. The rolling brownouts? Yeah. Because it took the internet by storm that weekend. Yeah. It's probably because of what was happening in Europe where you got all these comments about how we don't have enough energy generation in place. Like, you have a lot of countries like, um, like, look at Germany who, like, shut down their nuclear program. Mm -hmm. um, Now saying, like, we've maxed out the amount of renewables that we can possibly put in place. Like, they've actually signed a contract with Nova Scotia to try and get hydrogen up and running, which I think would be awesome if we could. Um, and I think that they actually, there was an article in the CBC that just came out this week actually talking about, um, you know, wind-based hydrogen production, which mm. is really cool because we've got lots of wind, lots of water. Yeah. It'd be cool to turn that into energy, energy. I don't know how efficient that would be and how costly that is. That's something that experts at a higher pay grade than I can answer. <laughs> but uh, if it's if it's something that we can export, I mean, that's obviously good business for us and it's clean energy. Yeah. So, but yeah, so you have places like that where, the, the thought of rolling brownouts is a very real possibility where they just don't have the energy capacity and generation. So, yeah, I think that's where it came from. And uh, and people love conspiracy theory. So, they're oh, they, they <laughs> especially when they're angry with it. Yeah. I mean, you, you release, you know, 14% increase over how many years was it? Two years. Two, Two years. years. Yeah, 7% each year. I mean, like days before the biggest <laughs> <laughs> gold snap. And then you, and then you have outages, which you normally have outages. Obviously you're going to be like these guys, like look what they're, look what they're doing. <laughs> so putting the little people down. All right. Uh, what'd you bring up for us here? So this is the Nova Scotia power kind of electrical claims for power outages. So this is a kind of the highlighted part there for you. Oh, you can submit a claim. Oh, if damages are caused by weather-related outages, wildlife, a motor vehicle accident, or other causes beyond our control, and as power is not liable, if damages are related to negligence by us, you may be reimbursed for your loss. And I'm sure they'll figure out any way they realize that it's not their fault. Yeah. A wild boar ran through. <laughs> <laughs> I, I always love, it's like insurance, right? Act of God. Right? I know. It's like, I'm really sure God did that. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, thanks, thanks, TD. Yeah. <laughs> Dang. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that, we really were interested. I wonder, yeah, what the process like to get a dollar out of them is like. It must be excruciating. Well, yeah. What's the claims process look like if you scroll down there, Philip? Uh, so contact info, description, yada, yada. A 30-day investigation. 30-day, or it could take up a 30 In days. more complex Four cases. to seven business days. Yeah. Um, and, and this doesn't even guarantee anything. It's your claim it's to a, be rejected. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, we, we've determined in-house that we, we don't want to pay for this. Like, sorry. <laughs> Find power elsewhere. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> you can't. Depending on where you live in Nova Scotia, because there are some uh, communities in Nova Scotia that actually generate their own power. I've really? heard about this. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Uh, um, Berwick is one of them? I think so. It's, it's a community in the valley, and mm. I think uh, Anaganish is another one. That's cool. Yeah, it is really That's cool. That's really cool. So it's, it's, it's a throwback from back when they actually did community-based power and when Nova Scotia Power was being sold by the government at that point in time because, you know, they were like, look at this big liability. Let's make some money off. <laughs> <laughs> look, we balanced the budget. It's like, yeah, but you screwed the future. Um, but anyway, so they said no, and uh, they kept their own generation. So oh. there was also some really cool programs that were put in place. I forget which government did it, but it's called the Comfit program. Mm-hmm. So it's basically um, it Comfit is community feed in tariff, and so it was like if you generated um, your own electricity from uh, like a wind farm, mm-hmm. you could sell that power back to Nova Scotia Power at a certain rate. So I think at that time it was like twelve or fourteen cents a kilowatt hour. Oh, and so it actually made it feasible for communities to develop their own um, energy sustainability. Um, to, to feed into the grid 
Because it was profitable. It, it was. For the community. It on, was. Yeah. Probably a break-even situation, but over time, right, it would be it would be profitable because eventually you'd pay off those yes. that initial investment, and more than monetarily, you'd have your own power, right. And so those programs only lasted as long as the government had them last for, and mm. if they weren't renewed, so then you right. have all these windmills, and then Nova Scotia Power says, "Hey, so we're gonna buy back your energy now at six cents a kilowatt hour," and the community goes. Well, we still have like five years left in our payment plan at this rate in order to pay these off. And they're like, well, that sucks for you, but we'll buy them from you. And so then they buy that wind farm from that community that's, they, you know, made the initial investment and, and put them in place. And then Nova Scotia Power gets the claim on their sheet. And they're like, look at all the natural resources that we're using to oh generate electricity <laughs> it's like our energy mix is looking so good right now like we've got all these wind farms up and it's like yeah but you stole them from the confit program <laughs> do you so, but yeah so just interesting things that have happened in our in our past wow right. yeah okay yeah it's it kind of goes back into kind of how i feel in general where i just you'll probably correct me on this but I do get annoyed when like, we are the ones who essentially front a lot of the cost to say put solar panels in your house, but then you have to tie into the grid. And I'm just like, I feel it just feels like Nova Scotia power is just benefiting off of my money and what I'm investing and just using it. They're a private company. Like that's, that's what they're going to do. I mean, if they weren't doing that, they wouldn't be a good private company. Right. But like, so, well, it's not even that it's like, <laughs> I mean, it's just the issue of why do I have to tie into the grid? That's yeah. the problem. I'm okay with, if a private company says, please so, do it, then I'm fine. But like, I want to have the decision to do it or not. I understand the reasoning behind it. And so the reasoning behind it is that if your energy grid that you put in place, or not grid, sorry, if your energy generating system that you've put in place in your home fails, um, you know, what is the default there so that you don't either freeze to death or um, right. what have you, right? Or depending on the situation, who's connected to that what's connected to that it might be vital that you have electricity i mean i kind of view electricity now almost like running water that you have to have it in mm -hmm. your home so the the ruling i think would be put in place to benefit people in that sense like i know you've got a lot of people who like want to go off the grid and don't have that option it's kind of really crappy in that way that you can't claim that as your primary residence if you're not connected to the grid um i do understand where the thought process came from um the problem is that would be okay if you had a provincially run like grid. We don't, mm. <laughs> we have a privately run grid. So it's, it's hard, right? I mean, it's the same thing when you look at like car insurance, it's like, Oh, I'm, I'm stuck paying this amount because it's, you know, mandated that I have insurance with a good thought in mind to everybody should have insurance. But the problem is I have to go through a private company who then can charge me whatever they want to charge me. Yes. So it's the same thing. Yeah. Well, that's kind of the issue we're running into in general with um all sort of related but i thought it was interesting obviously what's happened with a lot of people having frozen pipes over the, you know the past weekend or so and we're already backed up with insurance-based claims for fixes from fiona oh like, like i have i have friends who had something that wasn't related to fiona but it happened like a month before who still haven't got people into like to repair their house mm -hmm. and their whole house is gutted yeah it's just like I can only imagine how backed up people are going to be with insurance-based claims. Well, what's interesting is I deal a lot with first on-site and like those sort of companies, like emergency restoration companies. Yeah. 
And when you ask them, they say, we're only taking commercial clients and there's a wait list for them. If you're residential, we cannot help you. Yeah. We are not coming. I, I'm, that's a whole other rabbit hole of like issue. That's like, you know, workers and training and like supply. Because they have so of, many resources. Yeah, of course. exactly. So it's, it's, yeah, that to me just, again, speaks to the problem. Like they keep talking about the supply of housing. It's like, well, we can't build them fast enough. And it's like. We can't fix the broken ones. Yeah, <laughs> we can't <laughs> fix the broken ones. So yeah, that's a, I feel like that's a whole extra can of worms of just like, mm-hmm. you know. We're not paying people enough. We're not training people fast enough. We're not making it easier for people to to do these things. To live where they work. So yeah, so we have a we have a backlog of houses that need to be built. Um, we have a backlog of houses that need to be repaired, and we only have so many skilled people that can do that, or people, I should say, who can do that that are certified to do that. Because right. that's the other side of it too, right? You might have people who have done this for their entire life, but because they didn't do the four year college thing with an apprenticeship and a red seal they can't actually do the work so yeah but so is canada broken oh (laughs) i I had to drop it i had to drop it i had to drop it (laughs) oh my goodness Uh, is it broken um i think i think canada's fragmented Mm. and fractured I wouldn't say broken yet. Okay. Mm. So, cause I think there's things that are working very well. Mm-hmm. I think there's things that are working in our, not in our interests that are also working as intended. Right. Right. Um, but I also think that there's things that are just like things have sp- spiraled and snowballed that we just don't have the capacity to deal with at the moment. So, right. Yeah, totally. Well, we got Matt joining in with us. Um, so yeah, we, we hit start off the show. Um, asking reg now i'm curious to hear your perspective the theory floating around after all the frozen pipes and the cold weather we had and the lack of electricity in some areas of the province the theory is floating around that that was done on purpose and we had purposeful outages to kind of preserve the grid you from your experience do you feel like that's a viable option is that even a viable theory um like i i'm not a big fan of nova Scotia power um so would they do something like that I would severely hope not, but I look at uh, like Tufts Cove, for example, uh, generally they only run one stack. If it's like supper time, they'll run two stacks. So Tufts Cove can pretty well run HRM off of Bunk Royal, no problem. Um, so I, I can't see it happening that way um, unless there are some evil people. Which is also yeah. on the table. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I think the argument for it would be like that the demand would be so great that the load on the system would cause like brownouts. But like, you know what I, like we just have so much generating capacity in the province right now that I just, I don't see us exceeding that capacity that they would need to do brownouts. And the bad press on like the coldest day of the year would be detrimental to them anyway. So mm-hmm. I, I see it more as conspiracy theory. So. Is it a conspiracy theory, Matt? Me too. Okay, cool. Sounds good. <laughs> Approved. <laughs> is Tufts Cove. Can you just kind of explain what that is? So Tufts Cove is the three smokestacks that you see over in Dartmouth when you kind of look out um, oh. from Halifax side. Um, so That's yeah, really they, it. That's where they burn. It's, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. an energy generating station yeah. that, like he said, powers most of HRM. So, yeah, I don't know what more to... <laughs> and it is true. But, like, when you are driving home, you can tell how cold it is because you can tell which ones are on. Yeah. So that is true. The one thing that... Maybe you can correct me on this, uh, Matt, but I thought that they had switched over to natural gas 
Um, I thought that was one of the big things that they had done. They do both. They do both. Oh. Okay. Yeah. So whatever's cheaper at the time, if they can do bunker oil, they'll do bunker oil. If they can do natural gas, whatever's cheaper at the time, that's what they'll switch to. Yeah. Fitting. Because bunker C is a lot, <laughs> a lot dirtier a fuel to burn. Is that like but essentially coal? No. Um, Admittedly, I also don't. Yeah. Know I, 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 yeah. This is why I'm asking because yeah, I actually I, don't know a lot yeah. of this stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I actually, I would it's need to look it up. super dirty oil. Yeah. Oh, so that's just like really unrefined, just really yeah, like out of the ground burn it. I I don't know what level of refinement it's had, honestly, but I just mm. know that it's it's a lot thicker, lot dirtier oil, and oh. so it produces a lot more um, emissions off of it when you burn it. And so the idea with natural gas is that you didn't have to refine it to that level; it's like just naturally occurring, so you can pull it off the top of a off of a, a well and then right. burn it. Right. Because when you take oil you have to refine into its different um, levels. And so you get to a certain level once you've refined it to get to that same gas level. And if it's underground and it's already occurring at that level, that's how you get natural gas. Uh-huh. So. Gotcha. So uh, I'll be curious. I'll, I'm, I want to hear Matt first on this one is when it comes to, do you think in a perfect world, I mean, any possibility in our lifetimes, do you think someone will, could come in and possibly challenge Nova Scotia power for just having some type of competition? Uh, I would love it. Uh, Nova Scotia actually has a couple of utilities within the province. Uh, most of them are actually in smaller areas. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, so like, I know there's one that's out in the valley and the runoff of a uh, water turbine. So there is other utilities in the province, but for Nova Scotia to come in and buy NSPE, it would be detrimental to nova scotia right it'd be like billions of dollars we're talking about oh yeah <laughs> easy <laughs> right well so, that's what, yeah i don't know what their revenue was last year but i know that that was like one of the big things that the premier even talked about he's like he's like why are you asking for a rate increase he's like look at your look at your income statements you know <laughs> so you have to take into account like one you'd have to buy all the infrastructure back at today's costs mm -hmm. not yeah. at, at previous costs then you would have to think about all the lost revenue that they'd be getting from the actual business itself. It would just be astronomical. Well, I'm curious now that we're kind of moving into a new world, say, could, could a new business come in with a different type of energy strategy and challenge? I'm curious. Not if they expect to use the grid. Uh-huh. Because when we sold Nova Scotia Power, we sold all the generating stations and the grid itself. So that's the wires in the air. So you would actually have to have separate wires in the ground is what I would hope for, um, for it to be viable for other businesses to actually enter the energy market. Otherwise you're dealing with NSP the entire time because they own the, the ability to connect to your house. Gee, unless you live in the Valley or in Antigonish. <laughs> right. Just all things like really cool idea. I was, I was personally very passionate. I'm curious if anyone else felt this, but after all this stuff happened with, you know, the unreliability of power. Yeah. I just like wanted to just like screw off to everybody and start generating. I'll build my own wind farm or whatever <laughs> and just like tell everyone to screw off. Anyone else feel like that? I'm alone I on mean, it. I would love to. Matt, you win? Are we investing in this together? I'd like to, I'd like to do micro hydro. Uh, I, I would love to go up. Yeah. My, th my thing is micro hydro. Cause like I know that Nova Scotia, it blows wind like 
364 days of the year, but that one day where it's not, it's just like, ah, uh, <laughs> I can have a lot of batteries. <laughs> so, I mean, well, you've got your car that's basically a big battery. So, dude, <laughs> the amount of African children that died building my car, I feel bad about that, man. That's Congo children. Yep. Talk about it, Matt. Gee. Uh, is it cobalt or lithium that's a big element? Lithium's like the major one. Yeah. Cobalt's another big part of it, though. Cobalt's been in the news a lot lately about the like the unfair and like bad conditions of cobalt mining. I thought we had deposits of cobalt in Canada itself, though. Like I don't know, like that ring of fire they call it. It's like where all the minerals are. I thought we had cobalt deposits. We do. Um, it's just the issue is the the amount of mining that you can do down, say, in the Congo versus up here. It's just not the same amount. It's just not going to supply. Know the whole country having EVs. Yeah, so that's enough. the problem. Yeah, and I feel like obtaining the amount of cobalt needed involves some sort of bullying. Oh yeah, which you are simply not going to do to a private landowner in Canada, I suppose. You could because we don't own land in the, in Canada. You know, it can all be expropriated at any time. That's fair by the government. Yeah, yeah since um, you're paying property taxes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's fair. But <laughs> I, I also think that we have stricter environmental regulations, and then you would also have to fairly compensate people and. Yeah, that's OSHA no involved. Fun. Yeah, I'll give you the health and safety. He's like watching from above. We have to pay workers to extract this when we can just, you know, exploit, you know, another person. Children. <laughs> so true. Gee. All right. So I'd be curious, Matt, from your perspective, from what you're learning and what you know on the ground, what's the like one thing in like from what you're seeing, um, I guess from the, the electrical industry, what is like the one major thing that you you want to see fixed or you would you you could see you could see a route to seeing it um finding a solution to it uh honestly that's a great question uh i think one of the biggest things is legislation right now um i personally see the future is nuclear uh when you actually think about nuclear power it's extremely efficient it's uh it pretty well emits zero emissions and uh, on top of that it produces a whack ton of power but for some reason in Nova Scotia, they have legislation that prevents us from even looking at nuclear power. Uh, so I would personally say that would be the first start if we could possibly do that. But I don't think renewables are at the point where they are efficient enough to eliminate coal by any means. Anything about that, Reg? So the thing with nuclear that I, that I think about is because he's right, like it's incredibly efficient. Um, you still have to mine the uranium to get it to the plant. So that's a thing, but Canada has a lot of uranium reserves, so we could do that. We do mine uranium, um, and we do transport that across, I think it's like Saskatchewan to Ontario because Ontario has all the reactors. Um, I know that the problem with, uh, nuclear is a lot of like public perception as well. Like, I mean, you look at Fukushima, you look at, uh, Chernobyl and people are like, we don't want that. And so I understand that because you, you look at the risk to public health and go, okay, you know, we can have a coal-fired plant or a petroleum-fired plant and it's going to make everybody sick and give them cancer over time. Or you have a nuclear plant that's like it melts down and everybody dies immediately. So the thought of like, it's like the slow-boiling frog where people are like, well, I'd rather get cancer and die over time um, versus like melting immediately if, th- if something goes wrong. Um The other thing with nuclear is that you still have the spent rods that come out of the reaction that you then have to deal with. So it's like not 
perfectly emission-free. It's emission-free in the sense that you're not putting up hydrocarbons into the air. You still have all the the water that has the heat in it that you then have to release into the oceans. You still have, um, because that's why you find them on water bodies, is because you actually have to cool the reactor. Um, you still have all the spent rods and, and the, the leftovers from the reactor reaction that you have to then like, they, they keep them in large swimming pools and big cement bunkers underground kind of thing. Cause they're, they're still reactive and they're hazardous to human health. So it's like, it's not a perfectly circular, um, thing. Um, but he's right about like renewables and that like, we still have a storage problem. Like you, the day that the wind doesn't blow. We're screwed <laughs> yeah but there are renewables in the sense like you look at like hydro capacity look look at hydro quebec like they are stupid profitable um there's a lot of like native reserves in quebec that have made agreements um with hydro quebec to really tap into their hydro resources and they're very very well off reserves with excellent quality of life for their residents so it's like it is a very viable thing. the The problem with that is that you do displace people up, up, um, stream where you're you're holding the water. So it's like any energy that you get, you have a trade off. You just have to decide what that trade off is going to be and try and pick the one that has the less like least amount of harm. Right. Mm. Um, I do have a question about that, but I want to hear Matt's response to it. Uh, well, like you said, like uh, nuclear is synonymous with disaster. And that's kind of the stigma that you have to get out of people's minds. Um, when you think about the technology today and like Fukushima and Chernobyl, they had meltdowns, they had actual disasters. Um, but now with the fail safes and everything involved, I don't think that could ever happen. Obviously it could happen, but I don't think it would happen. Uh, but hydro, like you said, I think hydro is amazing. It's just trying to tap into it. And I think the ocean is the biggest opportunity. We just have to figure out how to harness it properly. Right. <laughs> yeah. They're like, we have the highest sides in the world. What can we do with this? I don't know. <laughs> just watch it. <laughs> we'll just put in this turbine in the, in the water and like watch the Bay of Funny just eat it. <laughs> right. Oh, over and over again. <laughs> well, this is what uh, the question I'll bring up then, because now we have to re kind of frame maybe the conversation is a lot of the solutions you've kind of that we're talking about is trying to centralize power and, you know, power a lot of people what do we start looking at more decentralized ways of power so for example the Berwick situation or up in Antigonish where they just got their own systems why why should we focus on trying to be centralize everything and just have smaller decentralized systems so Antigonish like as cool as it is their power costs more than ours does Mm -hmm. like even with rate increases and things like that like they still pay more for their power um, so it's not like, it's not like they've got a decentralized power grid and they're just like living it up, up there with, you know, six cents a kilowatt hour. <laughs> so there still is that trade off. So you do have economies of scale that you need to take into consideration. Um, there's also like grid load that you can manage so that, um, if you have lots of inputs into the, lo- into the system, the load is harder to manage. Um, whereas if you have like one centralized system managing the load for the entire grid. Um, you can turn on power and turn off power as needed as, as that, you know, draw becomes greater or less. So there's a lot less wastage. Mm. Um, and then no interruptions is the other side of it too. So mm. there's a lot of that. Right. And so then the other side of it too, is that like thinking beyond Nova Scotia, if you're looking at like, drawing power from other sources like we've got that link to newfoundland like if newfoundland starts pumping out 
a crap ton of clean energy. Like we can use that to supplement our grids so that we can just buy our power from Newfoundland, um, hoping that they won't screw us over (laughs) 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 Um, and and buy it at an affordable cost and have like clean energy coming from, from Newfoundland. Granted the Muskrat Falls has been plagued with its own, you know, trials and tribulations, but the idea being that if you could get clean hydro from there, then that would be much more preferable than burning like coal from the Donkin coal mines in yeah. Cape Breton. <laughs> right. So Matt, you're the Red Seal electrician. What did I proposed? Was that like even viable or was what Reg saying like that makes total sense and we should just go with a more cent- just a centralized electric system across the board? Purely cost, absolutely. Um, when you look at Tufts Cove, like I said, Tufts Cove can pretty well power HRM. Uh, when you look at if you take that away, you have to have every utility or every kind of community have its own utility, and that's just costly. Right. And then also distribution. So like that's why you have the overhead lines for NSP is they can ramp everything up uh, extremely high voltage as if there is a high demand, right? Um, but Nova Scotia Power, they did come out with the uh, solar panel, I guess, incentive again. So they're trying to get people kind of to hold their own uh, try to go off grid a little bit and to have their own power source. But again, solar, it's just, it's great. It's just their solar plant is garbage in Nova Scotia. Fair play. What's garbage about it? Uh, you are capped at how much energy that you can produce. Mm. So if you have a massive roof, they'll say, Hey, you can only put on 20 solar panels and that 20 solar panels will bring you to net zero but you won't be able to go beyond that and actually prove pump into the grid. And then if you are able to pump into the grid, they'd have to pay you back. So they don't want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> was it Ikea that had like yep. built this massive solar array and then they can't use all of the energy that they, they generate. And so they're like, okay, well, there's literally <laughs> dead panels on the roof. Yeah. Not being used at all. Yeah. Yeah. It's embarrassing. It, it is, but you know, it, yeah, <laughs> I guess we could all agree on that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it does. That has kind of blown my mind when it comes to like if the goal is we're just. I mean, I get like you know, obviously NSP is very nearsighted; they don't want to pay out. But imagine how helpful it'd be. It just every resident had even just a small bit of solar panels and just pumped it into the grid. Like I just feel like they just wouldn't have to rely on Tufts Cove so much. Right, but you have to realize let's say you have a spike in um, usage. Okay. Are they going to then hope that everyone's solar panels can cover that spike? Not saying it has to. I'm saying tough code, tough can still exist, but it doesn't have to be like completely reliant. Right. But I'm just saying that for them, it's easier to turn off or, or turn on Tufts Cove than it is to try and estimate how much power is coming from all the different solar panels at one given time. So it's, it's a lot more, work to manage that when you have a lot of distributed sources than it is to say we have one source we know what's coming from that we know how to to turn that up or or down so like and and again it comes back to the fact that nsp is not a charitable company they they are a for-profit with shareholders saying increase our profits year over year please or else your share price is going to go down Mm. so that's what it all comes back to so I think this is a good moment to say buy some Amira stock and at least try <laughs> to get, get your money back. Because <laughs> they said they do have shareholders and they do pay out your favorite, Reg, 
Dividends. Dividends, baby. <laughs> That's my whole Dividends. strategy. <laughs> <We're here. laughs> that is your whole strategy. We're here for it. Um, okay, that was very that was insightful. Before we end off, does any either of you have any parting words or anything that you really want to drop knowledge-wise or you're feeling passionate about? I don't know. I only know enough to be dangerous. I don't have enough to be uh, an expert. So I'll, I'll leave it to the Red Seal electrician to, to end us. <laughs> uh, my only thing is, honestly, people think heat pumps are the be-all and end-all. Um, and that's why a lot of people have frozen over the, over mm. the last storm there. Uh, so just kind of people be aware. You have to turn your baseboard heaters on because once your heat pump goes into defrost, it's taking all your hot air inside, pumping it outside. So... Definitely uh, yeah, turn on your baseboards so you don't freeze everything. I actually didn't know that. It's something like <laughs> after negative twenty five, your your machine goes into defrost mode or something. I, I knew about the defrost mode. I just didn't know about them taking it, it taking the hot air and throwing it outside. So I yeah, I, it because uh, you have your heating coil is out in the unit, right? That's taking inside, pump it outside, so it can def thaw that heating coil and then once it stops it turns back on but that heating coil takes a minute for it to heat up again so now you're not only taking the hot air from outside you're actually pumping cold air inside for a solid minute or two so you're losing a lot of energy keeping your heat pump on okay so all right this is a good one to end off I thought, <laughs> God, this is getting fired up because what i've been told is just leave your heat pump on you know it, it's fine like it just it, it'll use less power if you just leave it on as long as your baseboards are on as long as your baseboards are on to like your minimum temp. No, but the yeah, thing but is like baseboards. Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead, Reg. <laughs> I was just going to say, you have to realize we've never like, as long as I've moved to Halifax, like we haven't had minus 25. Right. So heat pumps have always been like, this is great. But exactly like you say, when you get super cold temperatures like that, um, the heat pump is going to work to maintain not, itself, not die. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, you're actively going to be heating the outdoors a little bit. Did you only rock heat pumps last weekend? No, 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 oh, no, 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 no. I was he's, like, were you one of those brave No, no, no. He's, he's got propane. Yeah, yeah I got the propane. I, like, I got the propane, dog. <laughs> um, no, the, the, yeah, it was the only reason I was asking because I have been told by contractors, there's like, just leave it on. And so I didn't realize in defrost mode that it's actually pulling money, um, hot air out of your house. Didn't know that. So the more you know. Learn something every day, man. Thank you, Matt. I appreciate that. That was a good yeah, PSA. You want to make sure you turn them off. Absolutely. So no, it's, if you keep it off, at least you don't have to worry about it going into defrost and back in again. So at least if you leave your baseboard heats on, they'll only work when they need heat. And you won't have to worry about taking your heat from inside to outside. So leave your baseboards on at a certain temperature, then leave the heat bumps on until they just shut down completely in defrost mode. Is that correct? <laughs> is that correct? Yeah. Perfect. We're here for it. This is why we bring on the homies. And this is why thank you both for joining our first Thursday episode. I know. This is a special evening. And uh, it was it was lovely. Thanks for coming on, Matt. Appreciate it. Hope you, uh, you're all good with the uh, oh, A. The reason why he couldn't come in was because he's not feeling the greatest. Um, so he spared us. Appreciate it. <laughs> he's um, social distancing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't trigger me, Rich. <laughs> um, but no, it was, it was great to have you on, Matt. I really appreciate it. No, I appreciate you guys bringing me on. and uh, just It's been great to chat with you guys for a little bit. So thank you very much. Absolutely. No Absolutely. problem. Have yourself a good one.
And so, yeah, you guys. thank you. Cheers. Um, Matt LeBlanc, I mean, he's coming. Red Seal Electrician. Yeah. Used to be on Friends. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's an amazing guy. <laughs> you were literally, you were waiting for him to leave after, just to drop that one, eh? <laughs> Gee whiz. All right. Well, Reg, we'll let you part with something that you're more of an expert in. Oh, let no. me know. Okay. What are you feeling passionate about in Nova Scotia these days? What are we feeling passionate about? Um, we all know it's healthcare, but. Uh. <laughs> I just talked healthcare for so long. Don't worry um, about them. Don't worry, yeah, ignore it. <laughs> just like our, our <laughs> politicians <pretending>. do. <laughs> what? <laughs> I actually like. I feel bad for our our uh, premier because I know that when he was like, "We're gonna fix healthcare," I'm like, "I'm an evaluator by you know work by trade, I guess," and I'm like, "Oh man, you use the wrong words there. Like, <clears throat> you need to be like, we're gonna make healthcare better. Like, that's that's what you need to say because it's like." this is a multifaceted, complex, multi-decade problem that, like, there's no solution for. You're not going to fix anything. It's like, you need to say, we're going to make it better, and then show us the ways that you're going to make it better. Um, starting that uh, medical uh, training school in Cape Breton, that's a step forward. That's awesome. I mm -hmm. saw that. I was like, good job, Timmy. Like, that's that's excellent. I'm glad I voted for you. Mm. <laughs> So, yeah, there's little things like that. And I actually know a couple of people in like the higher ranks of, of the health authority that are like very, very hard workers. They were pulled specifically from the industries that they were in because they're so talented, brought them into the healthcare system being like, help us. And so I actually had a conversation with one of them um, and she was just like, I'm doing my best, but it's a mess. <laughs> and I was like, God bless. <laughs> I don't know why that all rhymed, but, but you know, keep doing, keep doing what you're doing. And I, I just think about the people who I used to work with in healthcare and just like everybody just there, people are burnt out. People are still working hard. They're still trying to make it like we're here. A lot of really bad things. It was uh, funny in a sad way. I had talked to my parents in New Brunswick and I had said, you know, this news came out about this person who passed away in the emergency room. This is horrific as it was. And they're like, what? That's the first time you had that happen? Like, we have that happen every day here in New Brunswick. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> Is this so, what we're going? Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. So um, not to diminish any of the atrocities that are happening in healthcare right now, but I just know that, like, there's a lot of really good people putting a lot of hours into trying to trying to make it a lot better than it is. So, um yeah, I just think that it's it's a multifaceted problem. It's going to take a lot of work and a lot of effort and a lot of a lot of hands and brains. So, All right, privatize it, baby. Oh, God, oh no. should I trigger boy. you? Oh. I, I just can't trigger you for it. <laughs> <laughs> privatize it all because you know the states are doing so well. <laughs> True, <laughs> we've been, we've been watching a. A one tree hill at home because because oh. uh, you know Jen and I are that is so racist because <laughs> Jen and I are like what can we do now that like she's off work right now um, right. awaiting awaiting the baby and so we're like oh let's let's just watch some old trashy TV so we I started the first season of Dawson's Creek couldn't get past it I was like no can't do it um, we started watching t uh, one tree hill and I was like. Okay, I, I can do this. They bring in some bands I used to know, like Fall Out Boy, and like, <laughs> nice. Um, anyway, so yeah, I was like, okay, let, let's watch this. And so one of the things that happens, like every character gets in some kind of horrific car accident, and then it's always like, we can't pay the medical bills, and like right. they're like basically like going to loan sharks to try and pay these medical bills. I'm like, that's what privatized healthcare looks like. So unless you're very well off, right? Mm. So I don't want to be anything other than. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they say the whole show. Yeah. 
Sure. Well, I knew I knew you used to be quite the musician back in the day, right? Yeah, so, I was, man. Uh, 100%. Yeah. Dalton's seen it firsthand. <laughs> <laughs> We're here for it. No, but... Dalton, did you ever play any instruments? Or? Yeah, actually, I played trumpet. Oh, no way. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. The more you know. Elevate musical edition. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I, we actually got physically threatened the other day. If, like, they told us, like, if you guys remove your intro, like, I'm done with your show. I freaking love your intro. You never, never lose oh, wow. it. And I was like, wow, that's that's some passion. So I, I was thinking they were going to be like, that intro is actually copyrighted music that I own. And uh, <laughs> now I paid for that. Cease and desist. I'm still paying for that. <laughs> Gee. <laughs> yeah, no, it's all good, man. Well, yeah, there's a lot we could get into with that. I, I'm still semi in, like, you haven't fully sold me on, like, only keeping it public. I still think there's some room for some mixtures. Look so. at, look at um, I guess, look at uh, eye care, dental care, and hearing, I guess, would be things that I would say, because those are all privatized, and they're very much a part of your, your health. Yeah. And so. Love it. I love my dental care. I, I don't. <laughs> Where are you? Where are you at? No, I mean, I, I enjoy my dentist, but I think oh. about the fact that like, if I didn't have dental coverage, am I going to really pay hundreds of dollars out of pocket? Like, yeah, I, I can because I can afford it. But you know, next person, maybe not. Like, dude, dental care is not as expensive as we think it is. Until you need a root I, canal. Until you, yeah, I was just going to say, until you need a procedure. And then you think about the fact that like, I love those ads that are like, um, look at this photo and it's a guy and he's got like terrible teeth and it's like, you didn't even notice that he didn't have eyebrows. And so true because like you're so focused on the teeth and it's like, there's such an important part of who you are as a person, like um, whether or not you can get a good job, whether or not you're going to get a good partner, like so many things depend on like your teeth. There was literally a business um, conference I was watching and one of the main speakers said, if I was down to my last $5,000, I would get braces and a nice suit. Yeah. And there's a lot of people that just can't do that. Like, I, I don't want to out the person that I know, but I do know a person very um, close to me who is like, these dental bills that I had to pay because, you know, one, I went in there and they took out what they said was the whole cavity. And then turns out the cavity was deeper than it was supposed to be. So oh. then they had to get the root canal and then like the root canal, like something happened to that. So it's like procedure after procedure after procedure. And they had to pay out of pocket and that all came off the credit card. <gasps> yeah, and so, is. because like you look at the people that are like living paycheck to paycheck and it's like, you know, a dental procedure like that can sink them. So, and shoppers drug is not giving you, the bees needs dental coverage, you know, like these <laughs> no. retail jobs are not saving. No, you with the dentist. exactly. Yeah. So you said something critical at the beginning of that though. You said that, you know, yourself, you can afford that. I can. I'm, and that's my point. Yeah. I'm privileged. That's my point though. Yeah. Is like, that's the type of system I would like is that people who can afford it, they pay for it. They deal with the bills themselves. And then those who can't, they go still get the same coverage still go to the same dentist, but they are just covered under a public plan, which I'm okay with that. Right. But the problem is then you get situations where, you know, what's the wait list look like for that public plan? You know, if you've got all the dentists that are like, Oh, I've got all these private paying customers that I can work on. Instead. What if it's the same price regardless? So the government's just subsidizing someone else. Well, it, that's it, usually the case. Right. And so, yeah, that's, that's my, that's my issues. Like, I don't think that's like, an argument. Because it's the same price regardless. You think the dentist is going to like turf everyone on the public plan because 
they're just on the public, public plan. Well, I think a lot of times too, like um, if you have individuals who are accessing the public plan, maybe they might need more involved dental work than somebody who's been able to access good dental care their entire life mm. or, you know, what type of food that person has been eating. Right. Um, we have to get a hygienist on here to actually like true fair <laughs> to get to that. Like I said, I know enough of it to be dangerous about a lot of things, mm. but I'm not an expert in any of those things. So if anything I've said has been incorrect, feel free to correct me. But I'll correct think, you about milk. They'll correct you about freaking milk. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, <laughs> you have to get into that. Milk is important for your teeth. So good, good segue. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, you actually want to get into this? Yeah, go for we it. We talked about it on the last episode, but like, yeah, um, we we we'll explain it to you. You'll hear it on the episode. But um, what we did was our cameras went down. Me and Dalton were chilling. We were like scrolling Twitter. Talking about anything other than what we're on our notes. Yeah. And we're just like, just ch- like, we're waiting for Philip. He's like scrambling around trying to get all up and going again. I was like, cool. And I was like, hey, Dalton. Twitter milk. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, did you see the story? That I don't know. That's gross. I get it, seriously. <laughs> Elon, no. <laughs> but I was like, I was like, I was like, Dalton, like, this is a weird story. I don't know if it's true or not, but like, I don't know. Like, and, and then, and then the cameras went on as I'm telling the story of like, hey, you're reading this. And I'm going to write it word for word. And I was like, that's interesting. You know, and then Dalton just made an off-the-cuff comment about it, and it was it was a minute-long segment, and then we we threw it up on TikTok out of his thirty seconds, and people are tearing us up. We got we've had multiple farmers emailing us about this TikTok that hey, it's cool, we're gonna have them on the show, it's gonna be awesome, but like we're just like we just like apparently kicked the hornet's nest, so there's thing we just kind of we just threw it in the wind. We were it wasn't even supposed to be part of the show, but it was. That and Aunt Jemima. Aunt Jemima didn't get me in trouble. <laughs> but friggin' Milk did. shocked me. Unreal. These people, what's their priorities at these days? Because <laughs> oh. nobody cares about the name of a syrup company. Dude, I but do. But whether or not you can afford milk or not, that's a different Auntie story. Auntie Jem. <laughs> yeah. Auntie Jem's important, you know? He's also <laughs> been calling her Auntie Jem, <laughs> which uh, <laughs> is troubling in its own regard. What's wrong with that? <laughs> I got black friends. Oh, oh no! Says every white person. No, that was a joke. It was a joke. But apparently, white people can't take jokes these days, <laughs> especially Philip. <laughs> oh my gosh! You're throwing everyone on the bus. Man. Okay, okay. So tell me, tell me what they tore you up about with the milk. Oh, just that we were spreading misinformation because apparently it was like the farmer's fault. Yeah, well, he did it. It wasn't necessarily that we were spreading misinformation. It's just that there's this aura of misinformation around the dairy industry in general. Okay. Um, mainly because we were talking about these quotas and I believe my comment was along the lines of like, why didn't they do something with it? Like they had to dispose of it. That's strange. I also know nothing about the dairy industry. So to me, it is strange. Mm-hmm. Um, why is there a quota? As far as I, like I know, I, I don't even know. So the quota system is in place to keep a constant price on the milk so that if you actually produced way too much milk and you, increase the amount of supply in the system, then you would decrease the value of the milk. So therefore they wouldn't get enough per liter of milk to actually sustain the farm. In your experience, mm. is it typical for a dairy farmer to overproduce? Yeah, because you can't control how much the cows right. make. So could so. the government therefore increase quotas to decrease the price of milk if there's so much abundance of milk? Well, the problem is then like the dairy farmers need to get a certain amount per liter of milk in order to make the farm sustainable. So if you're not making enough on the milk, then it's not worth your while to keep producing. Right. That's a great point. 
So uh, I grew up very rurally. Yeah, no, no, that's that, it, it, it. It does put some context around why. Why would you? Because in my mind, is that one a consumer of milk and, and and no industry in the no experience in the industry? I think. Well, could my milk be cheaper? Like, could families who are struggling to feed their children have cheaper milk? But um, by the sounds of it, it would make that abundance of milk unprofitable for the right. Farmer. And, and a lot of farmers, you're not seeing a lot of like uber wealthy farmers out there driving their Lexus. Like yeah. they're, they're really reliant on these quota systems to right. ensure that the milk price stays at a certain amount so they can keep the lights on kind of thing. Right. Which explains so, why all the farmers were coming after that guy. Yeah. And what it seemed like they were protecting the government over they weren't, they were protecting themselves. Yeah. So the thing though, that I don't understand, I think this would be interesting to find out from a farmer and maybe somebody who's connected to the milk quota system is that, um, in situations where you have shelters or um, food banks or things like that, um, where they rely on a lot of donations for their food, um, why couldn't you possibly provide some milk to those institutions with the idea that it will not be sold? Yes. Because, like, you know, if you're looking at Feed Nova Scotia and all the shelters that they supply food to and the food banks and things like that, like nobody's making a profit off that. Everything is run off a donation. Yeah. So like, I, I just wonder what that would look like. Mm. Um, like could the so government have its own like pasteurizing plant that they take this, this abundance of extra, because that milk they're disposing of has not been pasteurized, right? That would be I wouldn't raw think milk. so. You wouldn't, yeah, it would be yeah, raw milk. You wouldn't waste the money to pasteurize it. I, so. I wouldn't if I was surprised. Right. <laughs> so, uh, so the government before it could be donated would need to be pasteurized. The, Farmer, of course, would not do that for free. No, but... So the onus would have to be on someone to do that. Right, but the thing is, like, I'm thinking, if you've met your quota and the government said, hey, we'll kick in a certain, you know, benefit tax break amount of money to cover the pasteurization if you donate this many liters to Feed Nova Scotia. Absolutely. I'm wondering what that would do if that would affect anything on the farmer's end. And that's a question I I would have for them. Because, like, then you'd be kind of killing two birds with one stone. You'd be, like, providing a tax incentive for the farmers yep. and, you know, a small kickback. Um, and then you'd also be providing milk to, like, feed Nova Scotia. Yeah. And then you'd also reduce waste, but without impacting commercial milk sales. Right. So, but like I said, I don't know. That seems I'm so not complex. A, I'm not a dairy farmer. Yeah. And, like, it also would rely a lot on, like, whether or not the farmer... Cooperation. Well, if it's worth their while, I mean, that's still hours like, that they have to put in to, to mm-hmm. do that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah. Yeah. yeah it was, it, like we said, it was just a, an off the cuff moment where I just thought waste is bad. I'm going to say that's bad. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> it wasn't even supposed to be in the show. Yeah. It was literally. <laughs> so Oops. interesting. Though it did, uh, it did uncover obviously something very important. Um, Canadian farmers, I didn't realize, are dairy farmers are so reliant on the quota system. Yeah, because you it creates stability. not scarcity but stability. Yeah, right. which but. is which in some way you brought up a lot of questions. I'm going to have for a farmer, which we will have them on the show. We we have we, we have, have a couple a, connections. Now. Yeah, 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 seriously, <laughs> it's going to happen because now I'm curious. Anyways, it was great to have you on the show. Oh, dude. Yeah. Yes. I'll talk to you about scarcity when the cameras turn off. Yeah. <laughs> I've been so mad looking at Viewpoint lately. <laughs> oh, oh, true. Yeah. yeah. I, I spent a couple hours at the uh, land registry office, and I was like, who owns all these massive properties? It's like, Department of Natural Resources, Government of Nova Scotia, HRM. I'm like, why? <laughs> <laughs> Dang, them preserving 
greenery. <laughs> That's probably Santa. Yeah, is that Pro- what they're doing? Who Pro- knows? Probably. I mean, well, they'll pull a Doug Ford and say it's undevelopable land. Yeah, and yeah. then sell it to some developers before they change the bylaw zoning. True. That's probably <laughs> happening. Well, good to know. Yeah, scarcity is a scary thing. Mm-hmm. It's a scarcity. I do love though that like there's some real estate agents in the city who are just like, oh man. The industry's never been better. <laughs> I was like, okay, buddy, keep selling. Yep. Anyways, whatever it is you're doing, whether you be using some syrup on your pancakes. Ooh, dumping milk. Or generating your own electricity. Oh, oh whatever it is you're doing. Wherever you are. We love you. We're out. Peace. Peace.